November 29, 2017. It's a Watt from Pedro show.
Life for Pedro Show, Brother Matt, the last minute. Got predisposed, good people, because of his uh, therapy and his uh, rehabilitation of that hip surgery. But he's doing good. He's at the, I'm not going to call it that other name. I'm going to say the Gaffey Street Pool. He's there <coughs> doing the swim swim to get uh, Genki again. Uh, started off John Coltrane doing a set from uh, Sunship, right album. And then, uh, yeah, from my guest via the magic of those Estonian software engineers bringing us Skype. We got Mr. Willie Tarzian. Uh, 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 Are you on that barge? Not now. No, I'm at a friend's house because... Yeah, it's bad. The the reception on that is crap. So. Okay, because he usually lives on a barge in a canal in London, but he's at a buddy's pad. Willie, welcome aboard Watford Pedro show. Well, it's a it's an honor, man, and uh, uh, this is my favorite show ever. Just about I listen every week for the last since nineteen whatever. Well, last year I got to play with Ybot, and we're going to talk about that later on. But first. Let's go way back in the musical journey of Willie Tarzan. What's your earliest musical memory, Willie? Um, besides, like, my parents playing a lot of big band stuff in the house, because they both grew up in the 30s, 40s, and got married in the mid-50s. Um, my first musical memory that's related to my journey is um, when we lived in Staten Island, uh, moved over from Brooklyn, my mom needed some seamstress work done or something. And back then, all the Italian-American families had, you know, their houses and they had these finished basements. They would, like, finish off the basement with wood paneling and make it like a another home, really. And this lady did a work down in the basement. I remember I think it was, I think it was about five or six years old. And I went, in, went, went down the basement with my mom. And under the stairs, there was a drum kit. And it was like a, 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 I think it was like a Ringo kit, you know, that, that uh, oyster, uh, black oyster Ludwig or something like that. And I just remember standing there staring at it and saying to myself, what the hell is that? But it was, I, I never, you know, it stuck in my mind. How, how do you think I was, you got I was, there? Well, it was the lady who owned the house. It was her son's. Oh, because oh. uh, I was thinking was maybe dr- she was yeah, like was, a, a drummer lady herself. I, I doubt it because she's from the old country. Yeah. So. so it was her son, but he he yeah. had uh, I guess they stowed away. No, they were set up, you know, with the symbols and the high everything was there. And I just remember standing there for a few minutes, oh. going, "Wow!" So and, it was and an actor said he used yeah. to play this thing. Okay, so he like doubled up this little yeah, so I, uh, finished room as a practice pad. Yeah, and there was a couch and a TV down there. And the lady had her sewing area where she. I don't know what my mom, maybe my mom had to sew some stuff for her, you know. Sure. And So, so you remember seeing I, that drum set, but you didn't jump on it. No, because I didn't really know what it was. And <laughs> and then... Um, how it, old How old were you, Willie? I think I was between five and six years oh, okay. old. Like kindergarten, so, first grade. Yeah, you're talking like 1965, 66, something like that. And then... Um, I, you know, today they, they diagnose kids with ADHA and all this. Well, I would have been diagnosed with that because I was like the hyperactive kid and I had an older brother who tormented me on a daily basis and I was like, you know, all hyper and temper tantrums and stuff. So 
I, I think uh, in my subconscious back then, I needed some. I needed an outlet. And therapeutic. Hap- therapeutic. Yeah, and the way that came about was we had a b- regular babysitter when my parents would go out, right? And yeah. she was this old Irish lady that used to smack us around, and um, as as they allowed them to back then. But then she retired, and we got this Italian American girl who must have been in her late teens, and it was a Sunday night. My parents went out. It was around September. It was when school just started. I think I was in the first or second grade. And she said, and we usually would go to bed, like the youngest five of us, so the three youngest ones, me and the two next youngest, would go to bed about 7.30. But she said, you want to stay up and watch the Smothers Brothers with me? And we we all said, yeah. And on that night, she said, oh, there's this band. Uh, I don't know what a band was. You know, there's a band on. you got to see them. And it was a who. And I remember watching Keith Moon smash his drum kit and blow it up. And I thought, that's what I want to do. Not blow him up, but I saw him play, too, and he was going crazy. And I said, that's what I need. I, need I think he uh, heard like the that hearing cause... in one of Pete Townsend's ears with that because he, like, put more charge. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah, a backstory to that thing. So, so it was first seeing this drum set, not even knowing it was a drum set, and then seeing this guy to go to town on television in a band, which you didn't even know what a band was. So a lot of this was like primal feeling. Exactly. Even though both my parents used to, before they were married, they were both musicians. Oh, not professional, but they both, my mom was a pianist and my dad was a sax player. But they both abandoned their musical endeavors when they got married. Sure, sure. So so when, when you see Keith Moon, do you ask for a drum set? Oh, man, relentless. So what happened was that was September 67. I just turned seven. And um, my 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 father went out and bought me this plastic snare drum. It was completely plastic and it was crap. <laughs> and then I, I was really uh, unpleased. So I think around Thanksgiving, my A plastic turn- snare drum, like pla- usually the heads yeah. are plastic, but. No, the whole thing was plastic. It was a piece of crap, and these crappy sticks, and and I was just like, "What am I supposed to do with this?" And then did it have a my, snare oh, wire? Did it have plastic snare wire? Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wish I still had it, you know. And and then my grandfather, my father's father, they were over. Yeah. I think it was Thanksgiving, and they didn't like each other, my dad and my grandfather. So he was always undermining my dad. Like my brother said, "I want a mini bike." And my brother's four years older, and he's like, over my dead body, my dad would say. And my grandfather went out and bought him one. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, drum kit, drum, drum set, drum set. And he didn't acknowledge it, but come Christmas, he would come over my grandparents uh, in the afternoon, Christmas Day, with loads of presents and big bags, you know, and put them under the tree, and he would play Santa Claus and hand them out to everyone. like, And we'd all get three or four presents, and I didn't get anything. And I remember at the end, there was these huge boxes sitting there. And I said, who are those for? And he said, they're for you. And it was a drum kit. Oh, wow. And my dad, my dad hit the ceiling. <laughs> so, uh, so that was that. And I joined, just before that, when I got the snare drum, yeah. I joined the, at our Catholic grammar school. We had a drum and bugle corps, which was like a marching band. Yeah. So I started learning the rudiments for a few months. Okay. Um, and, that, and I learned how to read, like, no, not, not, you know, not uh, pitch notation, but I l- learned how to read drum tra- drum sure. notation, and knew what every note, you know, quarter note, half note, all that. And um, then I got the drum kit, and I started bugging them for lessons. So they took me down 
there's a uh, a music shop called um, Rustic Music Center in Newdorp in in Staten Island, about three or four miles from where we lived. And my mom took me in there. We asked the guy who owned the place, um, "Do you have lessons?" And he said, "Yeah." So I signed up, and I went back the next week. I took the bus. I was like, eight. "You used to be able to take the bus when you're eight years old back then, or whatever." And um, I'm st- sitting there waiting with a pair of sticks, and this this is like the stairway in the pack that goes up to the to the next level yeah. where there's little rooms where they give lessons, guitar lessons, drum lessons. And this dude comes down the steps, right? He's, he's quite tall. He's got white big flares on, um, <laughs> beetle boots, the, the polyester hippie shirt, a big medallion, and this big fro, like white guy fro, you know? And the purple tinted round John Lennon glasses and the big <laughs> sideburn chops. And he says, hey, my name's Phil, I'm your teacher. I'm like, oh, man, this guy, holy shit. I thought he was like, uh, you know, rock star. I'm like, wow, cool. So he takes me in this little room, and there's two little four-piece kits set up side by side. And then for the first couple of weeks, he taught me how to read drum chart where each line was a different, you know, instrument of the drum kit sure. and taught me basic beats. And then he whipped out this, like, you know those phonographs that you could plug headphones into? It was just a record player with a little speaker in it. Sure. So he took out one of them. And he had a double jack. I remember seeing that, going, whoa, because my brother had one with a single jack, you know, at home. So I was like, oh, wow. So we put on headphones, and the first song he taught me how to play was uh, Credence, Proud Mary. Whoa, and, Doug Clifford. And yep, that's, and I fell in love with Credence. And then I remember uh, we used to go to J.C. Penney. They had a great record department back then. And... You know, albums are like a dollar, dollar fifty, and I'd save up for my paper route and buy records all the time. What's the and first bought, record bought, you bought, Willie? My first record I bought with my own money was the first Credence album. Okay, and it's called Queen's Clearwater Revival. Yeah, I bought Cosmos and the rest of it, and I just like, and in school, like the guys in school who were a bit older than me, who who played instruments, they liked Hendrix. You know, this is like '68, '69. They like the Stones, the Who, Hendrix, and I, and they used to take. Take, they used to make fun of me for liking Credence. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck them. Let's listen to fucking Tie Your Lungs.
lips that I wanted to be. I'm the one that makes sure that it is.
Watch for Pedro Show. We just uh, yeah, started that off with Ybot. That's Willie on drums there. Tie your lungs. And then we heard Pile. They're from like the west side of England. Oh, what's it called? Devon or something. Uh, Hidden Forces Trio with Tender Fisting. No, yeah, Steve's Mouth. That's the name of the song. And then this title is Tender Fisting Blues by Hidden <laughs> Forces Trio out of... Uh, Sevilla, Spain. Then uh, MB Jones at Pusan, Korea, No Great Game. Franix with Carr. Gareth Sager with Apparently, just had him as a guest. Incredible cat from the pop group with his uh, new 88 Tune Dreams album. And finally, Hidden Rifles out of Cleveland. Well, the, the Proj bosses, a lot of New York guys, but bass came from Pedro. Because I'm the one who brought it. Back to Willie Tarzan and his journey through music. So you're taking lessons with uh, Ron Ashton used to wear. If you look on uh, Funhouse, he's wearing white uh, pants. Like that, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you got this Creed record. Are you are you playing the records that you're buying? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And my brother, luckily I had a brother four years older who already had a collection. And I had a, a cousin my dad's niece who was only uh, like 10 years younger than my dad she was already in her 20s and she she was um friends with the artist the 60s artist peter max and he started a magazine she was a writer and he made her editor-in-chief but she also assigned herself as the music critic so she'd go to all the big shows at the garden and everywhere and get handed albums all the time so her 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 um spillover of albums because she'd get doubles, she'd leave at our house. So I, we had, from a young age, there was rock music in our house all the time. And back at school, kids are listening to, like, Mickey Mouse and stuff. I'm bringing, like, Blood Rock in when I'm eight years old. I remember old Blood Rock. And, and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> and um, so I was exposed at a very young age to, to cool music. Um, oh. So I was, I was learning all through the teenage years. You know, by the time I was 14, I was learning... You know, close to the edge by yes on my headphones down What's the basement. Alan White? Oh, um, yeah, or Bruford. I prefer Bruford because when he went to King Crimson, that was like my favorite lineup of King but Crimson. But I don't so. like the snare drums, though. But he is I a good do. That, drummer. That's my <laughs> But he is a I, great I drummer. I mean, it's it incredible. It sounds yeah, like a George, hungry seal. Georgie's got, Georgie's got that sound on. The hungry, the hungry seal. Yeah. T- tune it up tight and hit it hard. Look, um, I'm more about the. T-Rex, you know. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that uh, slider, that fat snare. Raul can do it. Uh, when do you start playing with people, like in a band, like some kids at school or after school? Yeah, so I'm nine. I'm in fifth grade, and a uh, family friend's son, who's two years ahead of me, Tom Hartman, comes to me, and he played guitar. And he said, me and Richie, this other guy, um, we want to be in the school talent show because every year they had the talent show. And it was like a thousand people there because the whole school to like eight grades of two classes and all the parents. And, you know, so it was packed. Big sure. auditorium. So they said, we want to play the talent show. And we wrote a, We wrote a song. But you're supposed to be in the same class, not only the same grade. And so they went to the principal because there weren't many drummers anywhere back then, even outside the school. There weren't many drummers 
in like 1969 or whatever. So they they went and asked the principal, and they, she said, yeah, he could play with you guys. So we, we came in third, but it was amazing. When the curtain opened, I just remember like this feeling of wind, like the wind was blowing in my face. There was so many people there for a kid to be playing in front of. So we played our three-minute instrumental. And then the next year, he got expelled, my friend Tom. And the next year, we did the same thing, but this guy Richie put two other guys in the band and we did an instrument. They didn't want to sing because the guys in the, like the, the, the really tough guys in that class would have like beat them up if it were out of their mouths, you know, because it would have just made fun of them so much for trying to sing. Uh, but what that place, was the first what time. place? Sorry? The second time, what place did you come in? So, oh, uh, we came in second. Okay. That year. Out of th- out of the top three, so now these ba- and, these uh, bands never had names, right? They were just put together for the talent show. Yeah, we didn't have a name. We didn't have names. No, no. What's but, the yeah. first band that you are in that has a name and start doing gigs? There's a band. I can't remember the first name of the band, but I was in back then in Staten Island. Bands would be covers bands, but they were more like copy bands. So you would pick your two or three bands that you wanted to emulate and they would concentrate on that so the first one i was in it was bto <laughs> yeah um, i remember them i saw uh bt buck maternal overdrive yeah um, he was from the guess who i can't i can't exactly yeah and i can't remember who you know what what other bands and i don't even remember the name of that one but the next one was called adrenaline rush well, I remember was, them. Their big songs were like "Let It Ride" and uh, "Taking Care of Business." Oh, BTO, yeah. Actually, yeah. I thought there was a song on the first album I really liked. It was called "Give Me Your Money, Please." Yeah, that was good. That's like such that. a great fucking tune. And also, they were their three brothers: Randy Bachman, two of his brothers, kind of big guys, and then a bass man named Fred Turner. Fred Turner was awesome. I thought <laughs> Pile Driver. He had his own tune called Pile Drivers. <laughs> He was underrated like Stu Cook, you know, similar. <laughs> I'm into BTO. D-Boom was way in him. They had an album called Not Fragile. <laughs> that was my favorite. <laughs> okay, okay, so you're in a BTO band. Yeah, then over the next, I'd say from freshman year of high school till senior year of high school, I was in three or four, two or three or four different covers bands. And the last one I was in was called Pyramid. And we had, we Purple we lost. Pyramid. I know pyramid. And then we we lost our na- uh, singer or something. He left, and we went in the village voice, and there was an ad for uh, from uh, in like time for. And you're cutting out, Willie. Voice. Yeah, so we went up to that. There's an ad, the Village Voice. We lost our singer. We went and um, auditioned for this producer, Joe Sear, and the singer's name was John King, J-O-N King. And turns out, John King, he's the guy with Chung King House of Metal. The uh, later in later years, he started Chung King House of Metal, which is the recording studio in New York where Public Enemy and all the rap artists uh, recorded in the 90s. Um, so he's quite a big time in the recording industry now. But back then he was a singer and he had these poppy kind of punk tunes. And he picked me. He didn't want the other two guys. 
and we, we started a band and we started playing and we did a single and we did small tours and became quite popular because back then in New York like in 1978 79 the scene was so robust that even the local bands could do well you know um you didn't have to be national. You didn't have yeah, to Yeah, like somebody read. like, I remember reading Cream Magazine, The Good Rats. Yeah, The Good Rats were from Long Island, but they, they were original band, but they were kind of like uh, the equivalent of a, a British pub band, you know, like that good guy, good times kind of rock and roll crap that I didn't <laughs> like. It. So, um, sorry. <laughs> I never knew what them. they sounded like. I just remember them writing about them. And they weren't a big national band. Yeah, good Rats. You didn't see stuff like that. Could, on YouTube. Yes, but nah, I'll just keep it in the old days. Um, that was the Long Island crowd. I'll keep it, uh, I'll so keep it near, mysterious. Uh, I'll keep it mysterious. But I remember I would hear about a band that wasn't a huge band. And that didn't really go on because there was no zines, really. Cream was the closest thing you could call a zine. So, uh, okay. you're playing with Chung King. Then what happens? Right, so I played with him for about a year. And then I became friends with a guy through my friend... You met my friend Danny. His cousin was in a band called The System. And a friend of theirs named Richard McLean ran a a rehearsal recording studio called The Planet um, on 31st Street near Madison Square Garden. So I started going hanging out with him, and then bands there started kind of hiring me to do sessions and stuff. And through that connection with Danny's cousin, I met John, a guy named John Naples, who was in the band The System. And he wanted to break away from the system and start his own thing. So me, him, and Richard McLean started a band called Pressure Point in 1980. John had about seven or eight songs that we put together. And then Richard left the band, and an old friend of mine named Stu, Stu Ritchie from Staten Island, who was a guitarist, wound up playing bass because we couldn't find the right bass player. And I said to him, you know John already, and you're kind of friends, buy a freaking bass and come and jam with us, and he did. So that was my first adventures in collaborating uh, creatively, yeah, um, that was the first time I ever was part of a songwriting, pro- you know, putting songs together, arranging them. I wrote some lyrics, I sang a bit, and we did well. We played with Bush Tetras, and uh, we played with Gang of Four once. We it was about two years we did that. We put we did a single. It was a big deal to do an album back then. You guys did it somehow a few years <laughs> later. SST, did, right? Yeah. It was uh, easy look, we got to the end of the first hour of the November twenty. 20- Nine, 2017 edition of for Pedro Show. Guest Willie Tarzan, hold tight for hour two. November 29, 2017, it's the second hour of Hawaii for Pedro Show.
start swinging The tires and I'm bringing More drama from the start to the beginning Make a killer from my carcass and put a bidding Catch a pigeons, one in the dark and finish But the fish was a mirage When you look back it was sad and get lumped to drink And you didn't have a choice The many parts you didn't have parts But you can't get him Overthinking, out of both sinking Roman kingdoms are down in flames Global shifting, going the whole distance No positions are bound to change No one knows if his shit's about to change Or bricks when the land about to thin No witnesses left to count claim Look for the clues, but I never found a ring Waiting to lose your patience Do you feel confused, you're hallucinating Ever left rooms like they're fumigating But you don't know why they're illuminating True explanation of your evacuation You just had to leave and abandon the scene New destinations, using the savings Random scenes, but it had to be Check it out, punch in the club Pop a lock and down, punch it up, up as you got Soft enough, are you in the chopping block Cause the double bluff that is one of fuck is the club Under the cush, you know what the trouble is? You're on the list, the rubbish through the rubbish bits Discover when fish bones and wish bones But the kids know they ain't found the mothership Standing in an old zone Waiting for the right time Planning when you go home All the things you might find The holy grail, hold the belt, hold in the tail. It's totally unreal. Holding on to the hope for what the globe reveals. Your only help is ghost in the shell. Hold you a host, a program cold, so close to your phone. No one else. Over and over, the shadows fall until you know it's cold. A torture for stealth. Look for the holy grail, hold the belt, hold in the tail. It's totally unreal. Holding on to the hope for what the globe reveals. Your only help is ghost in the shell. Hold you a host, a program cold, so close to your phone. No one else. Over and over, the shadows fall until you know it's cold.
show started the second hour off with Wybot doing limbo loop then everyone is dirty lost thing we're going to get to play with them in january in long beach they're from the city and then I'm, in three weeks from today i'm going to be in the city celebrating 6-0 there's more of that crunching sound and, and um, uh, hillside of love maya the revolutionary hell yeah alexander de large Going blind, he's in Sicily, Arabia Saudata, Arabica, no, Arabica Palista by Arabia Saudade. Sorry, that's super freak there, Milano, Giuseppe. And then out of Bari is Centauri with Tucson. Finally, Moldoman out of Baltimore with Invading, Folding. Back to the Musical journey of Willie Tarzan. So, we're going to go for the uncrunchable version here. After a couple years of pressure point, what do you do? I kind of waffled around. Um, in that time, I, I discovered Minutemen. And I'll, I'll kind of backtrack to that, I, I guess, so I could stop and I could I can interrupt the journey to, to explain my Minutemen experience because it has a, had a big bearing on how I went forward from there, from the influence of you guys. But because um, I used to go to Bleaker Bob's and other record stores like weekly. And when you walk into Bleaker Bob's, this is bin right in the front. Yeah, it says new releases. And I remember, I think it was 80, 80 or 79, 80. And I saw a black flag. I was like, what the hell is this? You know, so I bought it. Nervous breakdown. Think, that's right. And um and I used to listen to a lot of the college stations, and the WNYU had the new afternoon show. And I, I remember them. I bought Black Flag, and I liked it. And I liked them even more because they they had they used to do like a, a, a hourly update of 
music news and they said uh adam and the ants were at the such and such venue in la and black flag and their fans were outside and they were holding a big sign that said black flag kills ants on contact well they're actually bumper stickers oh they were okay well i don't remember what they were but i thought i was so impressed by that i said this is uh yeah, the backstory on that, Darby went to England, came back, said the next big punk band. Uh, he was dressed like uh, he had a mohawk and stuff, and he said uh, Adam Ant was going to be the next big band, so everybody kind of had fun with that when we finally saw what that band was like. So that was the thing about that. So so what about Minuteman? Right, so um, I would go in every week, and I even I knew a couple of the guys that worked there, you know, they just knew me from being a customer a lot and coming in. And I gave them my number. I was telling them, tell me when there's new stuff, you know. And But I, I'd go in anyway. And one day I walked in, and I saw this 10-inch sitting there right in the front. And it said, Paranoid Time, Minutemen. I wasn't sure whether the band was called Paranoid Time or the song, the album, the record was called Minutemen. So I bought it. It was like, I think it was two bucks or something. And I took it home. And I bought a bunch of other stuff, and I listened to that last, that when I sat down to listen to everything, uh, and I listened to it like eight times, and I was like, "I'm this is punk." I mean, this and Black Flag because when you in New York in the scene back then, we didn't ha- we didn't use the word punk for like Voidoids and Television and Ramones. They were just those. They were Television and the Ramones and the Voidoids and the New York Dolls. They weren't in a category you know what i mean and then we heard about punk with the sex pistols and that died a death and so when i heard that i said this is punk and when i heard black flag did that stuff to adam in the ass i said that that's punk and so i fell in love with minutemen and then they'd call me and say oh we got another minutemen there's one called joy and then there's one called bean spill and then punchline and i just kept buying them and then in 83 at that time i was in i wasn't really in i was in a couple of bands kind of i kind of lost my heart my my i was disheartened after pressure point broke up um because i i thought i'd be in it forever and uh me and Stu really loved the band and the main guy moved he moved to la actually he just up and left one night when we were about to get a record deal and all this stuff but anyway i i went to folk city in uh i think it was march of 83 you played there folk city west that's right Uh, let's hear uh don't Lose your mind. Why bot? When I go to the bank and I get ripped off And I see people are pissed off And I see them linger in the queue All sand in their heads, fuck you and they groan and kiss in the teeth They were off with your piss on a tree And I think that I wouldn't disagree Cause all I see is pure misery And they don't wanna be in the system So confused And they feel like It's just pointless What's the difference? It's just push and move And they know that their bread's to consume And they have to fit into a tomb And they have to be treated like a piece of shit This leaves to fit They're a different kind of secret cult That I'm not a part of they're a different kind of secret code that I'm not a part of. They're a different kind of secret code that I'm not a part of. Where do I sign up? Where do I put my name? Why are you find that look of shame? You 
Is out of order 
the most you can hope for is about three quarters. The whole is always missing something. The best player, the best mover. Or the one who can actually sing It's no way to treat a legacy To get bogged down in legalities But on the road to becoming legendary There may be a few fatalities Legend boy, at least you'll never see Your friends turning into enemies They'll write books about They'll make films about Faces of ghosts on the They'll write books about They'll make films about See them in the supermarket See them staring Surviving fragments Are being kept by hoarders The whole is always Missing something Some rarity Some scarcity some unresolved longing Send for the jigsaw police To help to find the missing piece Each collection is incomplete They'll always lack that final a place I never thought I'd see It's called the Memorabilia Factory They'll write books about 
they'll make films about Faces of ghosts on the They'll write books about They'll make films about See them in the supermarket See them staring back They'll sing songs about They'll sing songs about Go on and on about I see your face on the magazine Rex They'll sing songs about They'll sing songs about Go on and on and on about I see you in the supermarket I see you staring back Why bot? Don't lose your mind. Then guide by voices after that with Circus Day Holdout. Moon Rocks from Spirit Valley. Then Here Lies Man with So Far Away. Disorder with Disorder. And Kevin Hewitt with Auto Order. Okay, so you're bummed out on music, man. But then maybe you want to play. What's that? You hearing these records from SoCal? Even though you're bummed yeah. out because of the pressure point failure, uh, you want to start playing again. Well, I was playing. I was in a band called the Wuffles, which is kind of crappy band. And the, the the main guy in the band, his dad was Boss Hog on Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> so, um, and uh, I played with a guy I grew up with in a, in a thrash metal band called School of Violence. This guy uh, Steg von Heinz, um, and I was in a thing called walkie-talkies with these two guys that I knew from Staten Island who at the time were kind of uh, in, very innovative with technology. And I had a Lindrum that I bought with my student loan money. And I used to rent it out to studios for like 50 bucks an hour. And that's how I lived for a while. I used to rent it like, you know, 10 to 20 hours a week. And I was cleaning up, you know. And they rented it. And then they asked me if I wanted to work with them. And then so I was in like... Over the three-year period, I was in like three or four bands. You know, you got into same... plumbing too, right? Sorry, you got into plumbing. That was when I came to England. Okay, that was that was much later. But but um, anyway, then I met you guys. I, I I said hello to Georgie and Dee Boone at that Folk City gig, and then we went to see you at City Gardens, and then Trent. I think the next year you at Hope, at Maxwell's and the Ritz. All Boken. Yep, and then the Ritz with Pierre Ritz Ubu. now is called Webster Hall, I think. That's right. And then I, I, at every gig, I said hello to D. Boone. So, but then you played Irving Plaza in '85 
in in uh, uh, the autumn, and I have a friend who was doing sound that night. Co-conspirator said, tour. That's right. And I came early and watched your sound check, and then I went to take a piss in the bathroom, and I'm pissing, and then D. Boom walks in and pissed next to me. And yeah, hey, I remember you do. Yeah, hey, dude. And as a joke, I said, "Won't you guys come and crash in my pad tonight?" And he's like, "All right." <laughs> and and you did. Yeah. And it, and then I remember that night your stuff got ripped, your clothes got ripped off out of your van. Georgie's. Or, well, I think yours too, because you were doing the Fidel thing at the time. I remember you guys. We were driving in the van. I remember you guys were really. Uh, amazed at the Hasidic Jews, you know, there was so many of them on the street. You're like, holy shit, this is like the promised land. And then we went to the music store, and then you said, I need, I need to buy fatigues, man. Where can we go? So we went to Canal Jean, and you were like, is it a Kano? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you bought all the stuff. And then I came to your Hoboken gig that night, and um, after after that, you guys went off to finish the tour up in New England, and D Boone would call me. Uh, he called me a few times on that tour. One one time you were coming back from, I think Hartford, and yeah, you didn't. You had to pass through New York on the way to D.C. or something, and he calls. Can we stay with you? We're freezing yeah. our balls off. And I missed the call. It was on my answering machine. So, but anyway, we started. Then you did the REM tour, and he would call me at like every couple of weeks. That's hello. the last tour. Yeah, and we became kind of friends. And then he said, "Listen, when we finish this tour and after Christmas, like." after new year's come out to pedro for a week and hang out and uh you know what we all know what happened and that never happened but um it was him i was friends with first and georgie and then i didn't get to know you till a few months after he passed away i called you i got your number from georgie and you were really down you say some dude's hanging around my place trying to start a band with me and uh it was ed it was ed and um we came out from ohio willie we're at the end of the second hour yeah, November 29, 2017, Dishwa for Pedro Show. Hold tight for hour three. November 29, 2017, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
looking at me, she ain't looking at me right now. I see, but we're not talking about looks. We're not talking about personal orientation and whatever. We're talking about guitar amplifier and money. That's all I'm talking about. All right. Yeah, we dispute over the battle. You know I don't. Forty seven dollars, Mr. Dan. That's what you asked for. That's what you get. This court is a recess. Gentlemen, I need you to step out into the right Thank you. 
Watt from Pedro Show. Start third hour off with Keyhole from Ybot, the salty with damaged glands. Danny Barnes with Love is a Tumbling Down. David Gerard out of Light Fantastic. Flying Hair with Spiders. Nano Face with They Never Come. We get High Together from No Ice. And finally, Murnau B with Jack Dulios. Back with Willie Tarzian and his uh, journey through music. Now, uh, this proj here, we've been playing a lot on this edition. Why Bot? This is a band you've had together a little more than a year now, right? No, it's two and a half, almost two and a half wow, years. Wow, almost now. two and a half. But actually, I played with you in England with a band before this called Man Flu. I played a lot on the show. That's so, right. This whole thing about moving from New York City area to England, to London. Yeah. Bring it. All right. Well, let's see. At the end, I was with a band called Freak Parade that became 67 Riot, two dudes from uh, Detroit, <clears throat> Pete Sudis and Gerald Collins. We played with you guys on yeah. April 22nd, 88 at Firehose at CB's, blah, blah, blah. And then um, I met a woman who's visiting my sister and we fell in love and uh, planned on moving here and get married. And then you asked me to play with you. <laughs> and, and I couldn't do it, and I was really bummed. And I came here, I joined a band called Artichoke for two years, and then I didn't really play in a band for about four or five years. I, I was jamming with people. but And then when the marriage split up, I, I met this band called Disco Boy with a K, and it was Doodoo, Pip, and Marie, and this guy Phil, whose band it was, and we wound up kicking him out and starting Man Flu in 2008 and then marie left about a year later and then we got Azza and saki to replace her because marie played keyboard and sang so we got two girls to replace her and that was about four and a half five years of man flu and uh we did well and we did well in the uk you know we, we were kind of respected as being very different and we had a hot chick out front and you know that kind of thing and um you know i got you to play lex because we're friends and we were friend. We we're very friendly with Maddie, the promoter there, and I think we played two or three times with you, uh, twice with Il Sonio and once with um, with the, with um, Raul and and Tom. Missing man. And yeah, and the, yes, right, the missing man. And then um, Ybot played our first gig ever with you uh, two Octobers ago at that horrible O2 Academy. Oh yeah, lame place. But uh, uh, people, you should understand. Uh, Man Flu and Ybots share two of the t same guys. Yeah, me and the bass player, Dudu, his name's Sebastian, but I think the nickname in France for Sebastian is Dudu. <laughs> and um, we knew Toby through Marie, our first singer in Man Flu, and we collaborated with him back in 09, I think. We did a couple, couple of raps with him. You know, we wrote the music and performed. he would come up on stage and do a song with us. And then, you know, and then he went his way, and, and then when... Manflu broke up, me and Dudu trying to put bands together, and Toby called me and said, I'm trying to put my band back together, do you want to play drums? And I said, I'm not really into those guys, those musicians, they're good, but it's not my thing, you know? And then me and Dudu were struggling to put a band together somehow, we thought it'd be easy, and then I just thought one day, like, like, um, I just thought one day, hey, let, let's call Toby and jam with him, and we did, and in that first jam session, it was like 14 jams, and I think five of them wound up on the album as songs. Speaking of the album, the, the longest track is something called Medicine. Yes. 
What's that about? Um, you have to ask him. Um, so you guys I, are just separate. You and Dudu make the music. He makes the words. Well, we all make the music because he plays a bit of synth and makes noise with effects and stuff. So That's we'll right. we'll jam we'll jam and record everything, and then I'll go back and listen. We all listen, but I usually ask them, "You want to do this one?" Okay, so I'll kind of tweak it a bit, and then we learn it, and then we tweak it, and but he'll oftentimes he'll freestyle, and then he'll go back and put words to the phrasing and the and the cadence and stuff like that. And sometimes he'll have words with him. Um, he'll have his notepad, you know, his notebook full of stuff. And he's got loads, all these notebooks full of lyrics. He's always writing. So, yeah, it's not, it's separate, but it's together in a way, too. Okay, let's listen write. to Madison. your mind like Chinese medicine I flow precise and elegant sensitive to delicate science and writes are eloquent use poetic license why to rise endless wit survive the apprenticeship cipher so adventurous for freestyles make offers written highly irrelevant transcendent vibes defying petty prejudice evolution tensions are override malevolence Like spiderish predators Provide the evidence Kids die for the sentences Fallacies developed into real life vengeances Why I mention this? We're always primed for inventing twists And pay the price for the recklessness So they're emphasizing error in us But they'll look at contempt or stop rebellious Reactions to tactics that unsettle us Educate us, transmit it to a retinas Repetitive reality shows are now electorous The place of textbooks will bring dirt in its seminars
punchlines and telegraphs. Demographs, calculated risk, not taking any charge. But it won't last forever, trust. So they keep stepping hard, trekking through the wettest marsh. Will the weather pass? Ready on offensive to threaten with boss. Dropping weapons when I set them to task. Strong high court, my torture stops when you find a weak thread. Did not, did not. Slam chops, they had you tangled up. But now you stand on spot.
show last music for this edition why bot with medicine after that senor al with she's my beautiful angel team is shit from bronx that's with three x x's they're out of osaka ritual cleanse from kurt stifle and the swing shift mailmen with wasting my time and finally the breakfast cowboy with litter okay so uh, plans when, when was this album done? New, new blood, reco- fresh blood, uh, young blood, old tricks. Yeah, we recorded it in August 2016 on the light ship, light ship 91 or something. It's a yeah. it's a ship across uh, on the Thames, moored up across. I know a light ship. They got a big light. They're like a portable uh, lighthouse. Yeah. And it, it is, they took a light ship, made a recording studio out of it. It's just across from the Millennium Dome, you know, the O2 Center. And we did it. We did the recording in three days. And then over the next few months, we mixed it. And it was, came out in May of this year. Yeah. So it took, it took a, quite a, a while to do. And now we've got, I think, in addition to those 10 songs, we've got 14, 16 n- new ones. That, and we're deciding 
whether we're going to do an EP or do another album. Or, Sounds like or you what. got an album worth. What about touring? Well, yeah, well, we got we played two gigs this weekend and, and got a lot from them. In fact, Art Rocker last night is, is a Art Rocker magazine has a radio show. They're the like the, the music, the cool underground music magazine over here. Been around for years. And Resonance FM is the art station. It's like public funded. And the biggest show is Art Rocker. And he breaks all the new music, this guy, Paul Cox. Yeah. And he heard about us from one of the other bands the other night. And he, he emailed me and asked me for the album. And he made us album of the week. And he played us last night. And um, from that and from these two gigs we played last weekend, uh, we've got quite a few thing gigs coming up. The next gig, which is already booked a few weeks ago is with Nort, Blurt, and Cavalli at the New Cross Inn next Thursday. Are you talking the about the old band Blurt with the sax man? Yeah, that's him, Ted. He's Ted a, Milton. Pretty, he's a, not a great friend of mine, but we're friendly. Oh. And yeah, his brother uh, used to be the drummer. He's a kind of an older gentleman. He's 74 now, I think. <laughs> and he's right. still, he's, he's awesome. We played with Manflu with them a few times. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, Nort is James, the guitarist. He plays with Thurston now, um, and they're amazing. They're the most amazing instrumental band I've ever seen in my life, and I've seen them like ten times. So, and they play with Manflu. So it's going to be a good gig, um, that one. And then we've got the Finsbury on the twenty seventh of January. We're headlining that one. That's up in Manor House in North London. And then we haven't confirmed some other stuff, which is coming well, up. Well, what so. about getting out of England? What about coming to the U.S.? Well, f funding, dude. You know, <laughs> okay, okay. So no plans for that. What about the continent? Yeah, what's, well, Dudu's working on a French thing, hopefully, for like springtime. Because he's right. got contacts over there. Of course. And we'll we'll go from there. I mean, it's little by little, you know. We, we, we practice once a week. Those two dudes have kids. Yeah, we all we're all independently employed, and I think we get a lot done for a band that practices once a week or twice a week, and and uh, you know, um, but I'd like to do more, and I'm always, you know, I'm always cracking the whip about um, you're the whip you know, cracker. Finish these songs and the, and the clams, yeah. <laughs> the whip cracker. <laughs> yeah, whipping the clams, man. <laughs> getting the chowder together. Yeah, getting that chopped up. <laughs> now, what about getting equipment around? I have my big uh, ex-Royal Mail van. Okay, Mail. okay. Yeah. Because, you know, I always wondered about London bands. That must be tough. Well, I'm a, I'm a boiler man. Sure. So I have, to, I have to have the van, and I bought one that has seven seats. So no, it's great. We can get I around. You're about. Uh, look, if somebody is asking you for advice, because your journey is pretty righteous what, what would you tell a younger person getting into this racket just find your own feet with what you like and stick to it and you know um opportunity isn't as important as the music you make and that your heart's in it and i i gave up you know in my career when i was younger i gave up opportunities to be in bigger bands in in, in quotations you know um because of the music i was playing that i would rather have played music that's unique to me and the people making it and don't give up just don't let it don't listen to friends about oh this and that just do your thing work hard um get out meet bands uh, gig as much as you can and and uh stay true to yourself 
in the whole journey. That's great advice, Willie. I want to thank you so much for being on the show. And good luck to you guys. Thanks, Uh, dude. This has been the November 29th, 2017 edition of the Watt for Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.